Amen. Well, I got a question for you as we continue in this underdog series. Have you ever faced a time in your life where things, your circumstances just seem plain awful? I mean, is it just me? Does, is there, are there times in your life where uh, it seems like things can't get any worse and then they get worse? For some of us, it's a marriage where we feel like our spouse just doesn't care about us. For others of us, we've faced death and, in our family and we think, I just can't do this. For others of us, it's financial hardship that's really no fault of our own. And we wonder, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? I want to tell you that oftentimes in the midst of difficult circumstances, God has not left you. He is not gone. He has not forgotten about you. But instead, he's busy working behind the scenes. And he wants to use you to do the extraordinary, even in the midst of your bad circumstance. And I want to tell you that even if we can't see him working, his hand working, you can trust his heart because when the chips are stacked against you, God is working. When the going gets tough and you don't know what to do, I want you to know God's working. When you've got decisions to make and you aren't quite sure what to do, God's working. When you try something new, maybe a career change, and it's not working out quite like you thought it would, things are not coming together like you thought, don't give up, don't be dismayed, don't get frustrated, don't be devastated. Why, Pastor? Because God is working. When it seems like you've reached the impossible, and your chances are slim, I need you to know today that God is working, and no matter what it looks like right now, he's causing all things to come together for your good. And the thing that you need is not good decision-making skills when you have a decision to make. The thing that you need is not you know, uh, a boss who likes you when you're on the job. The thing that you need is not a doctor who knows what he or she is doing when you encounter sickness, but instead, in all of these things, the one thing that you need is the favor of God. You don't need to impress your boss. You need God's favor. You don't need the best doctor in your sickness. You need the favor of the Lord. Favor will help you when the doctor say it's too late. Favor will help you when your boss don't like you. Favor will help you even when you don't know what to do. Favor will make the impossible absolutely possible. In the Bible, we find Queen Esther. The, per the king of Persia is searching for a queen. When he's introduced to Esther, she's a beautiful Jewish maiden. And he flips out when he sees her. Why? Because she stands out more than any of the other women that he had been looking at. And he asked her to become his queen. Now get this about favor. The reason why Esther stands out is because she had favor. But the reason why she had favor is because she had a habit, first of all, of listening. Watch this. That's the first thing I want to tell you. That favor happens when we listen to the right source. It, and 
Esther 2, chapter 2, verse 9 reads this way. Now the young woman, talking about Esther, pleased him. And she obtained his, what's that next word? What's the next word? So he readily, watch this, gave beauty preparations to her. In other words, he sent her to the salon, y'all. He got the girl hair did, got her makeup did, got her toes did, got her nails did. He hooked the sister up. So he gave beauty preparations for her, but that ain't all. He gave beauty preparations to her besides her what? He said, baby, don't even use the money that I give you. I, I want you to go get yourself taken care of, get all nice and pretty. He said, and don't even touch the money that I gave you. I, I'm doing this on my dime. Ladies, look at your husband and say, that's favor. <laughs> he being messy. I'm about to get messier. Watch this. Then seven choice maidservants were provided for her from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of women. So not only does he send her to the beauty salon and get her hair did and get her makeup did and get her nails done, not only does he pay for it and tell her not to use her money, the boy got the house clean too. He hired somebody to clean the house. Ladies, look at your husband and say, I want some favor. <laughs> Husband, look at your wife and say, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Watch this. Watch verse 10. Watch what happens. Watch this. Why did she have favor? Esther had not revealed her people or family. Why? For Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. You know why Esther had favor with this king? Because she listened. To her uncle who had wisdom. Watch this. She has favor. Watch verse 15. That's what I'm talking about. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. Watch this. And Esther obtained, what's that word? There it is again. But why does she have favor? Look back before it. Because she requested nothing. No, 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 no. Stay where you're at. Because she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's unit, the custodian of women, did what? Listen to me, y'all. Favor happens when we listen to the right people. Twice Esther found herself listening to the right people. The first time she listened to her uncle and her mentor and she kept her mouth closed and she didn't reveal her nationality or her family background. Why? Because Mordecai told her not, not to. She kept her mouth closed and it enabled her to gain access to the king. Here's the deal. You cannot have favor with God or with man as long as you have a closed mind and an open mouth. And for many of us, we rob ourselves of the favor of God is because our mouths are too open and our minds are too closed. We're just telling everybody the business. Everybody know what God laid on your heart. Everybody know where God showed you he was taking you. 
And what you don't understand is everybody in your circle ain't your friend. Everybody who say they love you don't love you. Everybody who say they down for you ain't down for you. Some of the folk you running with, you hanging with, who say they down for you are actually doing everything they can to work against you. They behind your back scheming against you. And every time you tell them your next move, Satan uses them to get up ahead of you and stop you from doing it. You ought to question why they always hanging around anyway. You ought to wonder what you after. How come every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen? <laughs> but you telling them all your business. Give them all a 411. Watch this. James 119 says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let me ask you this. Anybody ever ask you for advice and then won't shut up? It happens to me all the time. People call me and say, Pastor, I need your advice. And I listen and I listen and I listen. I, I can't stand when people do that. They come to me with their problems and, you know, I just listen to them talk. And then I tell them something and they talk all over what I tell them. I go to tell them something. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Go to tell them something else. Well, yeah, I figured that. Go to tell them something else. Well, da, 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 da. and I want to say, well, what, what you calling me for? What you need me for? If you got it all figured out. And we tend to surround ourselves, watch this, with people who make us feel good about our mess. And we rob ourselves of the favor of God because everybody in our circle steady giving us attaboys even when we know we down bad. Everybody tell me, I would have told them the same thing. I would have did the same thing. You know the difference between us and Esther? I'm sure that when, uh, uh, when the king's eunuch told Esther, just listen, just this is what I want you to do, Esther. Go in there and only go in there and request what I tell you to request. Now, you going before the king, I'm sure Esther had other stuff on her mind that she wanted to request. But you know the difference between Esther and most of us? Esther realized this man is the king's eunuch. He's in charge of taking care of the king's women. So he's got to know what a king likes from his woman. So if I don't listen to anybody else, I need to listen to this man. And if he tells me not to ask for anything else, I'm not going to ask for anything else. A whole lot of us would have went there and just started asking for everything. I want big rims with a shiny house. I only ride on leather. And he would have said, on to the next one. Watch this. Verse 21, in those days while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigthan and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Asuerus. Next verse. So the matter became known to Mordecai, that's Esther's uncle and her advisor. He told, Esther was now the queen, he told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king of Mordecai's name. Now watch this. So he hears of a plot, Mordecai, 
to kill the king. He tells the queen, Esther, who he's been advising. She goes into the king and tells the king what Mordecai told her. Saves the king's life. We find out in the next couple of verses that the king ends up killing the guys who were plotting against them because of what Mordecai told him, told Esther. So Mordecai did the right thing. Watch chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. So the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Verse 5, watch this. The, the king's servant said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. Verse 6. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Verse 7, watch this. And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor. In other words, this is what you ought to do for that man, king, because Haman thinks that the king wants to honor who? Him. Next verse, watch what he's he, he going to lay it out. Let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on his head. Verse 9, watch this. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then, this is what you ought to do for him, king. Parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to what? Now watch this. I got to give you the background on this. Haman is the dude right next to the dude. In other words, he's the king's right-hand man. He does not like Mordecai. And the reason why he doesn't like Mordecai is because Mordecai has a habit of sitting outside the gate. And when Haman walks by, unlike everybody else, Mordecai doesn't bow to him. And so Haman and his guys asked Mordecai one day, how come you don't bow to me? How come you don't bow down to me? And Haman told him, because I'm a Jew. In other words, what he was saying to him was, the reason why I don't bow down to you, bruh, is because the only person I bow down to is the Lord. Haman didn't like that. So he plotted to kill not just Mordecai, but he plotted to kill the entire Jewish nation. So Haman actually goes as far as setting up gallows in order to hang Mordecai from. Enter in chapter 2. Go back to chapter 2. Watch this. So one night the king is up all night. He can't sleep. 221. The king is up all night. He can't sleep. He, he just, he can't sleep for whatever reason. And he's up and the Bible says that when Mordecai saved his life, they put it in the chronicles of the kingdom. So that means they wrote it down so that it, it could be brought back up later. On this night when the king couldn't sleep, he called for the chronicles to be brought up. So the chronicles are brought up, and one of the, th of the things that he reads is about Mordecai saving his life. And what he realizes, he asks the question. He said, did I ever thank what was done for Mordecai for saving my life? 
And they answered and they told him, King, you didn't do anything. So that's where we pick up where the king is sitting there and he says, who's in the court? And they say, Haman's in the court. Now keep in mind, Haman wants to kill Mordecai. And so when the king asks who's in the court and they say Haman's in the court, the king doesn't know he wants to kill Mordecai, but he says, bring Haman in. So they bring Haman in and the king starts asking Haman, what ought to be done for a man who's done all of this, who saved the king's life? And Haman thinks that the king is talking about who? Him. So he starts laying it out. He say, man, you ought to get that dude a nice robe. And you ought to put him on the best horse and you ought to put your stamp on his head. And then what you ought to do for him is you ought to parade him through the whole city and show the whole city how awesome that man is. Why? Because he thinks the king is going to do it for him. And then in chapter six, the next verse, guess what the king tells Haman? Good. Go do that for Mordecai. Can you imagine how played he felt? This is what I want you to get. Mordecai saves the king's life in chapter 2. But he doesn't get recognized for it until chapter 6. Four chapters later, and however much time later, Mordecai gets recognized for what he did way back in chapter 2. Now, had that been many of us, we would have got mad. I done saved his life, and he didn't even so much as tell me thank you. He ought to be thanking me every day. I'm the only reason why he alive, and the only reason why he's still reigning on the I should have kept my mouth shut. If I'd have kept my mouth shut, they would have got it. And now I wish they would have got him. If I'd have known he wasn't going to thank me, I'd have told him to get him. I can't believe he didn't thank me. We would have been down in the mouth, pole mouthing and wondering, oh, why didn't he thank me? But you know what the Bible says that Mordecai said? It doesn't say he said anything. Mordecai just moved on. And then you know what happened? When God got ready to recognize Mordecai, to establish Mordecai for the good that he had done. Not only did God establish Mordecai, and not only did God reward Mordecai, but God used Mordecai's enemy, Haman, in order to set it up for him to be recognized and for him to be established. What's your point? My point is, favor of the Lord comes when we do the right thing no matter what the people around us do. Favor of the Lord comes when we do the right thing whether the people around us recognize it or not. And if you want the favor of God upon your life you have to be less concerned about what the people around you are doing and more concerned about what God is trying to do in your life. If you want the favor of God upon your life don't worry about who recognize it and who don't recognize it who see it and who don't see it you just keep doing what God told you to do and know that when nobody else sees me doing good God sees me doing good 
when nobody else recognizes my value, God recognizes my value. And you got to make up in your mind that I would rather have the favor of God than the recognition of men. You can keep silver. You can keep gold. Listen, y'all can have all of this stuff. Keep your big fancy houses. Keep your cars. Keep your money. God is what I want in my life. And if I got the favor of God, I got everything that I need. Why, pastor? Because he's a doctor in the sick room. He's a lawyer in the courtroom. He's whatever I need when I need him to be that. I want favor in my life. A lot of us worried about what other folk think about us. They didn't recognize me at the job. I do all I do. He don't never say thank you. I ain't cooking him nothing tonight. All I do is she don't never say thank you. Watch how she pay her cell phone bill next month. Favor says, I do the right thing, whether they recognize it or not. Why? Because I'm not trying to please them. I don't need them to bless me. I don't need them to protect me. I need God's hand upon my life. Whether you recognize it or not, if I got the Lord on my side, I got all I need. And listen, favor ain't fair. And we hear that said all the time. But, you know, we, we say favor ain't fair when it comes down to what we got and other folk don't. But here's what we don't recognize. Obtaining it ain't fair either. And sometimes you're going to have to do some stuff that don't seem right to you, that's unfair to you in order to get God's favor. Because oftentimes God puts us to the test to see if we're going to do the right thing anyway. And many of us fail the test and we, because we don't realize that obtaining the favor ain't fair, just like having the favor ain't fair. And because we can't get over the fact that obtaining the favor ain't, ain't fair, we don't never get to have the favor. Well, I made up in my mind, I'm going to have the favor of the Lord. And I'm going to do what's right. I don't care what y'all doing, what y'all doing, what y'all doing, what y'all in the back doing, what Joyce doing. I want God's favor on my life. And hear me clearly. If you don't want yours, I take it. I take my favor, your favor, your favor, your favor too. Because God has been good to me. He's watched over me. He's protected me. He's provided for me. He healed me of sickness. I don't know where I would be if it had not been for the favor of God upon my life. Oh, I tell you, fret not, evildoers. Why? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Why? Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I got a question for y'all. How many seasons are there in a year? How many seasons? Four seasons. You're wrong. For the believer, there's five. There's winter, 
summer, spring, fall. That's four, right? But you forgot one. It's called due season. What is due season, pastor? The Bible says that if we faint not when we're doing good, he said in due season you will weep. In other words, what he was saying was spring may not be your season. Summer may not be your season. Winter may not be your season. Your reward might not come in the fall. But oh, if you just don't give up, if you just keep going, if you just refuse to quit, in due season, God promised me that I'll reap if I faint not. I want his favor on my life. And because of that, I'll keep doing what's right. And I will wait on my due season. God bless you. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. Father, your promises are yes and amen. We know you're good for them. 